thank you, Father, for the Holy Spirit who is here. Jesus, you completed your assignment, then sent him to us. And so we appreciate that. And we thank you for the ministry that he has on this earth. We allow him to minister any way he so chooses in this house. And we open our ears, our eyes, and our heart to you today. Uh, we just thank you for revelation and light concerning your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, go with me to Micah chapter 5 and verse 2. See, I'm already starting to walk. Now stay still. Micah chapter 5 and verse 2. Uh, we read this a couple weeks ago when we did our baby dedication and we talked about uh, Bethlehem. Uh, but I want to go back there and pick up where we left off. It says, but you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, are only a small village among all the people of Judah. Yet a ruler of Israel whose origins are in the distant past will come from you on my behalf. The last line in the New King James Version uh, says, Yet out of you, Bethlehem, shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. A couple weeks ago, we talked about Bethlehem, a very small and unassuming town where Jesus was born. And we looked at this prophecy uh, which is one of at least 300. That's, that's uh, we believe about 300. That's probably in, uh, estimating a little under there. Uh, foretelling Jesus' birth. Uh, this prophecy in Micah was given by Micah about 700 years before Jesus' birth. And the last sentence of the verse speaks of the future or the nature of who Christ is, his preexistence, and his activities prior to being manifested in the flesh. We see that. It's amazing. If you read commentaries on the last sentence of this verse, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting, they state that the terms used here convey the strongest assertion of infinite duration of which the Hebrew language is capable. Eternity. One commentator likens it to, uh, how does he say it? He says, to an eternal nativity, the depth of which mystery passes the comprehension of human intellect. It has to be spiritually discerned. Another commentator said, we have neither thought or words to conceive eternity. We can only conceive of time lengthened without end. True eternity is boundless life, all existing at once, or to duration without beginning and without end and without change. <laughs> That's eternity. One translation of Micah chapter 5 and verse 2 says, whose goings forth are from afore. That is, look back as far as we can. That from which we begin is still before. <laughs> Eternity, you can't comprehend it with your natural mind. Another interpretation says, whose goings forth are from the days of that which is hidden. See, God doesn't measure time the way you and I do. Eternity belongs to him. We're in eternity now. You know, the moment you receive Jesus, some people say, but eternal life is when we get to, no. Eternal life is now. Eternal life, that word life is zoe, and it's the kind of life that God has. 
And it starts now. It doesn't start when we get to heaven. It starts here on this earth. And so uh, it's hard to understand. When we hear the word eternity, our minds automatically go to time. Because that's the way we understand it. But God lives outside of time. <laughs> he lives outside of time. And so uh, he helps us out by speaking our language in scripture. And so let's look at a few verses that uh, we see where he describes eternity uh, in a manner that maybe we can understand it a little more. In Daniel 7, 9, you don't have to turn there, but you can write it down and go back and look at it. It says, uh, God calls himself the ancient of days, which means the beginning and measure of ages and of time, the ancient of days. We also see in Habakkuk, 1 verse 12, the phrase translated from of old is used to describe the eternity of God or the God of before, <laughs> which is a title he chose to express that he is before all things that he made. And this is what Micah talked about in his prophecy, Jesus' future birth and his ancient activity. <laughs> I like what Oswald Chambers said. He said, Jesus was unique among men in that his birth did not mark his origin, but only his appearance as a man on the stage of time. I love that. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And so let's look at a few verses that confirm the pre-existence of Jesus and his pre-nativity activity. Uh, look at 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. 1 Timothy 3, 16. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up in glory. The word manifest in this verse in Greek means to appear or become visible. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem, God appeared or was made visible in the flesh for the very first time. This was not his beginning. It was simply the first time he became visible as God clothed in flesh and bone and blood. Completely human yet completely God. The moment Christ was born, the invisible God became visibly seen by angels. Hallelujah. There's a verse of scriptures that said, not even the angels couldn't look at him. Well, at this point they could. He became visibly seen by angels. And I was just kind of meditating on this, and I was thinking, good thing Jesus came in the flesh. Because if he did not come in the flesh, we would be outsiders of this story. Because we would be like, well, praise you, Jesus. And, and he, he, he wouldn't tell us, greater works than these shall you do. Because we wouldn't have had a physical example. We would have been like, oh, he was God when he did that. There's people who still think that. Even though we see and we're reading scriptures that prove otherwise, there are people that think he did all of that because he's God. We can't do that. He did. 
Well, that's not true. He told us, not only will you do this, <laughs> you'll do greater works than these because I go to the Father. And so he came in the flesh, and that gives us something that we can wrap our, our heads around in terms of not understanding how he came in the flesh. But the works that he did, he did it empowered by the Holy Spirit. Same way, same way we do it, the same way. And so I'm, I thank God he came and was visibly seen. Uh, by angels. The word seen in Greek is to see, behold, perceive, or to delightfully view. Hallelujah. Think about what happened in Luke chapter 2, verse 13 and 14. We read, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. The angels delightfully viewed <laughs> and beheld God in a way like never before. Something to note. Uh, ever notice that it doesn't say that the angels sang? We always say, the angels sang, glory to God in the highest. No, they said. They didn't sing. What says they sang? Silent night. <laughs> That's what says. Uh, the heavenly hosts sing alleluia, and that's a scripture verse for us, I guess. No, they never say. They sit. They sit. So whenever we think of the angels, I don't know about you, but I always think of them, glory to God in the highest. You know, but sounding much more better than that. But uh, I always think of them singing. They didn't sing. Side note. Not important. That doesn't matter. Uh, but I just thought that was interesting that, you know, we'll take a song, heavenly hosts sing alleluia. They must have sang so beautifully. They sit. <laughs> they said the words. Yeah. Anyway, let's go to John chapter 1, verse 1 to 4. John 1, verse 1 to 4. It says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. So this passage is talking about Jesus who is the word. And it confirms what we've been reading and talking about. John said that Jesus was in the beginning with God and that all things were made through him. One translation says by him. And so we can look at Proverbs 8 verse 23. John 1 confirms this. Now, Proverbs 8, verse 23 says, I have been established from everlasting, from the beginning before there was ever an earth. This chapter talks about wisdom, but remember, Jesus was made unto us wisdom. And so we see here, if you look at the original translation of this chapter, it's referring to Jesus, the Son of God. He says, I. The person, not a quality, not a nature, the person of Christ as the Son of God was set up, anointed, or appointed from everlasting. He's not referring to the human nature of Jesus, which at this time did not exist. He was made, fashioned is what that word means, in Mary. And so he, he, the, his human side didn't exist yet. Uh, Jesus hadn't come in the flesh yet. And so this is talking about, you know, Jesus, the Son of God. And so John 1.18, in the voice it says, 
God unseen until now is revealed in the voice or word. God's only son, straight from the father's heart, he existed but was unseen until this moment. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And then we can look in, uh, John the Baptist said in John chapter 1 and verse 30, he is the one I was talking about when I said, a man is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. John the Baptist was talking about Jesus, his cousin. But Jesus was born after John. But John knew and had a revelation of who Jesus really was. He knew he, he's way before me. He existed way before me. Hallelujah. And so then we see he also confirmed what the apostle John said in John 1, 1 to 4, and then in John 1, verse 14. So the word became human. One translation or the original says was made human. And that's that word is fashioned just as we were made, just as we were created. He was made human or flesh and made his home among us. This is what uh, the Christmas story is all about. This is what happened. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Hallelujah. Another verse, Colossians chapter 1 and verse 16. Paul said, all things were created by Jesus. Things here on earth, visible and invisible. Creation was the first of God's visible works. The first. And then Jesus coming was the next. Hallelujah. And then 1 Corinthians 10, 4, Paul talks about how Jesus traveled. Now we're talking about his pre-nativity activity. Jesus traveled with the children of Israel. We talked about them last week. As they traveled from Israel to the promised land. He says, they drank from the spiritual rock that traveled with them, and that rock was Christ. You see that? That rock was Christ. He traveled with him. He existed back then. Hallelujah. And then it was Jesus who spoke to Moses from the burning bush. We see in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. And this is why they got mad at Jesus and tried to stone him. When he said in John chapter 8, before Abraham was even born, I am. <laughs> huh. He identified himself as the I am. And they clearly understood that he was claiming to be the one who had spoken to Moses in the burning bush. And their minds could not conceive that. How can this be? You know, I think of Clarence. On it's a wonderful life. <laughs> Clarence the angel, come on now. Don't be all spiritual. And and they said, Well, how old are you anyway? You know, and he's like, I'm 103, or whatever he said, 100, however old he was. And they were like, The guy fell out of his chair, you know, because he's like, Huh? Well, that's how they felt when Jesus said, I am. Because they were like, Huh? You know, you're like, what, 30 years old? You, how? Oh, we don't get that. And so they were like, wait a minute. He's claiming to be the son of God. He's, that's blasphemy, they said. That's blasphemy. 
And so their minds couldn't conceive it. In John 10, verse 31 to 33, they actually told him, because he said, are you going to stone me? Because they picked up stones to stone him. Are you going to stone me for the good works that I'm doing? And they said, oh, no, we're not stoning you for any good work, but for blasphemy. They said, you, a mere man, claim to be God. That's why they were going to stone him. Because they knew, they said, there's no way you were back there with Moses. That just doesn't make any sense. And so uh, they couldn't understand it. They couldn't understand how the eternal God had become human and was living among them. They couldn't understand it. Hallelujah. Well, there are still many that have a tough time understanding or accepting the pre-nativity appearances, the miracle of Jesus' birth, or even his, uh, the fact that he even exists today. But just because we don't understand something doesn't mean it's not true. There's a lot of things I don't understand. If they weren't true, I'd be in trouble. You know, I don't understand how my car operates. But it does. Every time I press the button, it starts for some reason, you know. And every time I put gas in the car, it does its thing and fills up and I can go some more. It do- I don't understand how that works, but it does. Doesn't mean it's not true. And so uh, we, we don't have to see it with our eyes to believe it. Amen. John 1.12 says, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. This verse is translated from the Greek. Anyone who takes hold of, makes their own, or accepts the offer of salvation. He gives delegated power or delegated right to be sons, which in the Greek is the word technon. We've talked about this before. It's a child, or I like this. In this context, anyone living on full dependence of the Heavenly Father. (laughs) Anyone. Living on full dependence of the Heavenly Father. We are granted the privilege of sonship. Glory to God. And I love what Rick Renner says about this. He said, this word on, at the end of that verse, it says, even to them that believe on his name, is a Greek word which means into, which indicates union. And he said, a literal translation of this portion of scripture would be, even to those who believe into his name. (laughs) Into his name. When you believe in Jesus, you release your faith and you enter into union with him. Again, our minds don't understand how this works. It doesn't. But your heart, every time you hear it, your heart goes, "Uh uh-huh, yep, I believe it. I believe it. And so that's how the Spirit of God confirms it with our spirit. Amen? Hallelujah. It takes faith. That's why it takes faith. The just shall live by faith. Because these things, to understand it with your natural mind, you just don't. But your heart believes it. And so Philippians 2, verse 6 to 8, we're going to start closing. Who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, 
taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. As we know, this verse is talking about Jesus. And we've read this many times before. It shows us that Jesus' mindset was one of humility and submission to God. He positioned himself under God's authority and he carried out his uh, orders, the orders that God gave him. This is the example he set for us. And because he did it in human form, we too can do it in human form. Amen? Hallelujah. And so uh, uh, in Greek, the phrase who being in the form of God is who eternally existing in the form of God. Hallelujah. And that word, uh, the word form is actually describes an outward form, not just an inward form. In Jesus' pre-existence, before he was born as a baby in Bethlehem, he was not just a component uh, or a symbol of God. He was God. He was God. And uh, we hear the phrase God incarnate used a lot during Advent. And a, a verse that best describes this is what we read in John 1.14. And the word became flesh <laughs> or human. Hallelujah. All the, as the eternal God, Jesus possessed the outward appearance as well as all the glory and power of God, a presence so strong that humans could not endure its manifestation. So he had no other choice but to reclothe himself with a new form, flesh, so that he could physically appear here on this earth and live among us. Think about that. The King of Kings and Lord of Lords, he slipped unnoticed, unnoticed, into the human race. <laughs> the Bible says in John 1.10, he, he was in the world and the world was made by him and the world knew him not. Unnoticed, unnoticed. Jesus was so obedient to the Father that he was even willing to die. The lowest death in the Roman Empire at the time. Crucifixion was the lowest form of death. And he was willing to do that. And uh, in doing so, he knew he would fully complete the assignment he was given to be savior of the world. Amen. Now let's look at the verse 9 and 11 in that chapter of Philippians 9 to 11, Philippians 2. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Yeah, because of Jesus' obedience, the Father highly exalted him. In Greek, this means to make exceedingly high, to elevate beyond to the highest place by giving him a name, which in Greek, it's name, fame, or reputation. Do you see what happened? Jesus made himself of no reputation, and then God elevated him to the highest and gave him the highest reputation. Do we see this? 
that is unequaled and unrivaled by any other name. It continues to say that this is how it's written in Greek, that at the same point, uh, sorry, that at some point in the history of mankind, every knee of every person that has ever lived, past, present, future, will bend in honor and respect for the name of Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Likewise, every tongue will declare out loud that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I choose to do it now. I choose to do it now. Hallelujah. He deserves nothing less. And we're going to close with John chapter 17, verse 5. In John chapter 17, verse 5, Jesus is praying right before he went to the cross. And he said to the Father, Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. There could not be a more distinct and clear declaration of Jesus' preexistence than this. He said it himself. He said it himself. Here's how it's translated. Let the glory which as to my divine nature I had with thee before the foundation of the world be communicated also to my human nature that my whole person may be made glorious and that in me you will be glorified. Glory to God. Jesus' glory and position was restored. Restoration took place there first, then in us. Just as he was restored to the place he was before he was made flesh, you and I, when we receive Jesus, we are born again. Not of incorruptible seed, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed. Hallelujah. And one day soon, we'll have our glorified body. One day very soon. Hallelujah. So restoration, hallelujah, belongs to us. Amen. Because Jesus was humbled. He was humbled. He humbled himself. He was submitted. And therefore God highly exalted him. Hallelujah. Glory to God. This is what we read in 1 Timothy where it says he was received up in glory. And we have a share in this. Amen? Because we are in union with him. As you celebrate Christmas, remember this. Remember the real purpose of Christmas. It isn't just a time to reflect on the baby Jesus born in Bethlehem so long ago that it's a distant thought. It's not that. It's a time to remember that God took on human flesh in the form of Jesus. He was born to be the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And through the stripes of his scourging, we find healing. And through his shed blood, we have forgiveness of sins. As a result of his obedience unto death, he has been exalted to the highest place. And one day, every knee shall bow, every tongue 
shall confess that Jesus Christ is absolute Lord and supreme master to the glory of God the Father. This is the real purpose of Christmas. This is the real story of Christmas. Hallelujah. Yeah, we celebrate his birth. We celebrate him as a baby. We celebrate all of that. But then we look ahead and we know that because he came, that was the door. That was the starting point. Amen. That was the starting point. But there's oh so much more. There's oh so much more. And we're a part of it. We have a share in this. Hallelujah. And, and it tells us, and you'll remember, it tells us to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he will exalt you in due time. And sometimes we read over that and go, well, I don't need, no, yeah, I'm humble and I don't need. No, it says he will. He will. And so you'll, you'll never be exalted to the place where Jesus is. He's exalted and been given a name that's above every name. Now, you're in him. You're in him. Got to meditate on that a while. <laughs> You're in him, seated in heavenly places. In Christ, you won't be above him, but you are seated together with Christ in heavenly places. The same authority that God gave to him, he's given to you. And so we have to enforce our authority here on this earth. Uh, Henry talked about why. Why aren't we gone yet? Because we are enforcers of his authority. We are distributors of his peace, of his joy, of his provision, of his salvation. That's why we're still here, because he needs us. The world needed Jesus to come, and now the world needs you here for a purpose. And that's why it's not fair for us just to gather, <laughs> just to bring to my own and my four, and no more, as long as we're healthy, as long as we're good, as long as everything is working in our family, as long as we can get together, as long as we have this, as long as we have that. It's not fair. What I mean by what it's not fair, it's not fair to him. He didn't do all this so we could be comfortable, eat Cheetos, and put our feet up, you know, all day long, and never tell anybody about him. Never do anything about this great story. Keep it to ourselves. And now you're trying to, they're trying to silence you. Don't say this. Don't say that. Don't talk about Jesus. We should be louder than ever before. Because it means something to us. It means something to us. They couldn't shut Jesus up, and they won't shut us up either. Amen? The gates of hell shall not prevail against the mighty church on this earth. We are enforcing his authority on this earth. As long as we're here, as long as we're here, the enemy will not destroy like he wants to. He's trying. He's trying. And there are things that are happening. But as long as we're here, the minute Jesus comes and pulls us up out of here, I don't want to be here. I ain't going to be here. I'm going, well, I've already told you. I'm going in the first round. When he says, all aboard, Maria's the first one. Woohoo! I'm there. <laughs> I'm there. <laughs> you don't want me to drive, but I'm there. <laughs> you know, I'll get us lost, and we don't want that. We don't want to get lost. 
But uh, no, but we, we're going. We're all going. We're, we're going. The first round. Amen. That, put your faith there. Put your faith there. You know, we go to heaven by faith too. Everything we do, the just lives by faith here on this earth, <laughs> and it takes us to heaven. Uh, and so uh, just know that uh, there's more to Christmas than, baby. oh, the sweet baby Jesus. And he was a sweet baby Jesus. He, he really, he, he did come in the form of a child, completely dependent on his mother and his father. How humbling is that? Remember when he stood with Pilate? He said, I could call a legion of angels. You're doing this because I'm letting you. Humble. Many of us would go, I could call, and you know what? I'm calling. Come on down. <laughs> come get, come show, can you strike them down with fire? Do something. I mean, we would, we'd be like exerting our authority. Make sure everybody knows I got authority. You know, we do that today with the little stuff we can do. You know, never mind then, I, you know, how humbling. I mean, he was so humbled and so submitted to the Father. He put his life in his hands. And he's like, whatever you want me to do, I'll do whatever you tell me to say. But he was not weak. Uh, Eric shared about that a few Wednesdays ago. He wasn't weak. He was strong. He's our strong God. Amen. Amen. He bore all of our stripes, all of our sickness, all of the pain. He bore everything on his body as a human, <laughs> as a human. The weight of our sin cost Jesus so much, and I am so grateful. We don't take it for granted. Amen. Stand with me this morning. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. We're so thankful to him for his wonderful provision and everything he did to make us who we are today. Amen? We're nothing without him. We can admit that. We're humble enough to admit that. Amen? <laughs> we are nothing without him. He is the one who completes us. I stand complete in you. Amen. Father, we thank you and we praise you. We're so grateful to Jesus. We're so grateful that he came as a child, humble, he humbled himself, humbled himself, and submitted himself to you and carried out your assignment for him on this earth. And, Father, we thank you for highly exalting him and bringing us into sonship, into union with him, seating us in heavenly places. We were once afar off, but now we've been brought nigh by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so we thank you for it. We give you all the honor and all the glory as we celebrate your goodness, as we celebrate Christmas and all that Jesus came to do, be the Savior and Redeemer of the world. We ask that this would be a revelation to us, that you would open doors for us to give testimony of what you have done, not just back in those days, but in our lifetime today. We thank you and we give you honor for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Glory to God. Well, thank you for coming this morning. For those of you who are watching online, we're going to dismiss you. We wish you were here, but we thank you for joining us online. God bless you. We'll dismiss you so you can uh, turn us off online. Uh,